business meeting at the end of tonight's service, so we don't want to forget about that. It won't take very long, and then we'll lock the doors and everybody can go eat ice cream. So we do appreciate being appreciated, and uh, I don't think that's necessary for any of us. We appreciate James being here and praying for Ashton that she'll feel better, and we're glad to have them on board with us working with our children. You'll see that we're continuing in our little series on decision-making and the will of God, and tonight we're talking about trusting God with your future. That's the title of the message under this series. Last week, we talked about that significant moment when Abraham began his journey of following God. He started out, Genesis 12, 1 uh, tells us that the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. But we also noted and we have noted that this was not Abraham's first time to hear from God. In fact, the Lord had appeared to him in Mesopotamia before he ever lived in Canaan, before he went to Haran. And Abraham didn't exactly obey God at that moment. It's a later moment when he fully obeys God. There are times like that in your life and mine when we hear from God and we don't do what God asks us to do. But later God comes again and he speaks to us and we uh, respond in obedience to God. Last week I made four statements in regard to Abraham's decision to follow God. First, the decision to follow God is the most significant decision in a person's life. Number two, if I follow God, there are things that I must necessarily leave behind. Number three, following God always carries with it a measure of uncertainty. And we noted how uh, the writer of Hebrews said Abraham went out not knowing where he went. And number four, the life that follows God will be a life of tremendous blessing because God had said to Abraham, I will make you a blessing to all the families of the earth. But there are a couple of other statements that I made last week that we need to come back and look at again tonight. And the first one is that a life that follows God will be a life that is shaped by God's purpose, not your purpose, but by the purpose that God has for you. Second, a person who follows God must be willing to trust God with his or her future. And so that's going to be the focus of our service tonight. So I ask you, before we go any further, are you willing to trust God with your future? That's not the expectation that God has for some of his people. That is the expectation that God has for all of his people. Abraham did that finally at 75 years old. He made that decision to go where God wanted him to go and to do what God wanted him to do. Now, as we look at the life of Abraham, we see that he was, like most of us, by necessity, a decision maker. He made decisions as a husband and a father and a businessman, just like all of us make those decisions. If our decisions are based on, the, on our own will, rather than the will of God, then we put our own lives and the lives of our family in jeopardy. Uh, a decision made outside the will of God is not always physically dangerous, but it is always spiritually dangerous. And we can illustrate that time and again from Scripture, and you've probably observed that 
in your own life. Now, a decision, we'll look at it tonight and consider that it's simply a fork in the road of life. It's one of those moments when we come to a point, come to a why, we've got to make a decision, do I go this way or that way? And we have to decide whether I will go my way or God's way. And every decision that I make has the potential of having an impact on my future, having an impact on my family's future, and can decide whether or not I will accomplish the will of God for my life. As we said last week, nobody wants to be that person who finishes their life climbing the ladder of their life to only discover that the ladder has been leaned against the wrong wall and they finished the journey of their life doing the wrong place at the wrong time uh, outside the will of God, never touching the mission that God had for their life. So tonight, we look at some of those forks in the road in the life of Abraham, and they're four simple ones. Each, at each one, he had a choice to make. He had to decide whether he would go God's way or his way. So we want to go back to Genesis chapter 4, I mean Genesis chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 4, and I'm going to read verses 4 and following. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. So Abraham had decided, as you see, not only to, to follow God, that was the first significant decision in his life. But here in these verses, we also see that Abraham had decided to worship God. He had decided to become a worshiper of this God who had spoken to him. Now, I'm not sure what the spiritual condition of Abraham's culture was when he lived among his relatives, but the land of Canaan was certainly not the holy land when he arrived on the scene, nor was it a holy place. He was living in a land that worshipped idols and engaged in human sacrifice and was filled with all sorts of immoral behavior. And so when he arrived... He established himself among those people as a person who worshipped a God that was different from the people of that day and that land. And although he followed God there, when he got there, he, had to, he was at another crossroads, and that was he had to ask himself some questions. Am I going to be like these people, these people who live around me? Am I going to live like them? Am I going to worship like them? Or am I going to be different? Am I going to blend in and bow down or am I going to stand up and stand out by worshiping the God who called me? I found a really good illustration in a book by uh, Anne Graham Lotz, and she tells the story. Uh, this is in her book, The Magnificent Obsession. 
she tells the story of a man, pastor, Bible teacher named Stuart Briscoe. Uh, when he was a young man, he informed his family that he was going to join the Royal Marines. The friend who was a captain in the Royal Artillery replied, you will, of course, by joining the Royal Navy, the Royal Marines, that's what it was, uh, that you, you will, of course, nail your colors to the mast. Now, uh, Briscoe didn't quite understand what that meant, and uh, he, the captain replied that in the Royal Navy, the sailors nailed the flag of the king, king or the queen to the ship's mast as they sailed into battle. That way, the flag could never be replaced or lowered with the flag of surrender. The flag was nailed up there for good. And so by building that altar and, and clearly calling on the name of the Lord in the middle of his Canaanite neighbors, Abraham was declaring, he was nailing his colors to the mast, that he would worship the Lord and him alone. Some of you tonight may need to nail your colors to the mast because at school, they may not know if you're a Canaanite or a Christian. At work, they may not know if you're a Canaanite or a Christian. Your family may not know if you're a Canaanite or a Christian. Abraham wanted people clearly to know that he served and worshiped this God who called him. But Abraham didn't always make good decisions. Do you? I don't. Sometimes I make bad ones. And so we're going to consider a bad one in the life of Abraham by looking at the verses that follow in chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. The Bible says, now there was a famine in the land. So what did Abraham do? He made a decision to go down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came about when he came near to Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. Don't you say that to your wife every day? I try to say it to my wife every day, but I never say what he said next. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it may go well with me on account of you and so that I may live on account of you. So here he found himself on another one of those forks in the road. He had to make a decision, a big decision, but the problem was he chose without asking God. At this fork in the road, he made a decision about what to do, but he never asked God. Have you ever been in one of those places? Have you ever been in one of those spots where a decision just had to be made? I've got to go one way or another. So you go the way that looks good to you at the moment because you have to. After all, it's about business and it's about the future. So, But when times are tough and something has to be done, and Abraham was facing tough times, he made it out to be like his future depended on what his wife could do for him. His future depended on his wife's beauty and his wife telling those people that she was his sister and that she would keep him out of trouble, that it was not God who was his protector and provider. I met a group of young people, I will call them, uh, at the farmer's market yesterday, young Mennonite families who've moved into our community and they're going to establish a Mennonite church here in our county 
we had some conversations because I have a friend who's a Mennonite pastor and uh, he, he lived in Canada and they were from Canada. So it was an interesting meeting that we had. But one of the things the young man said to me as he, with his family, sat there selling their cookies and their lemonade and trying to sell a truckload of bales of hay for $5 a bale, he said to me, you know the Lord is our provider. That's pretty interesting to me. When somebody has that perspective, the Lord is our provider. He's our provider too, you know. He provides for you and he provides for me. He was Abraham's provider, but you know, it took Abraham quite a while before he gave God that name, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. He had to learn and sometimes we have to learn some lessons. And so Abraham learned this lesson by making the wrong decision. And he lived in Egypt. And we don't know exactly how long he lived in Egypt. But we do know that he never built an altar there. Never once did he, in the presence of the people who lived in Egypt, nail his colors to the mast or identify himself as a worshiper of the Lord God. He made this decision without asking God. He came to a fork in the road and he chose for himself. You might disagree, but if you look, you'll see the whole time that Abraham was living in Egypt, he was living in sin. Some of you are living in an Egypt of your own. You are where you are because you followed self and not God. And so when Abraham returned to Egypt, or turned to go to Egypt, he turned his back on God. And if you follow the story of Abraham's life, you'll find that he did pretty well living in Egypt. He got a lot, he, he gathered a lot of flocks and herds. He got, he got, basically we'll say Abraham got wealthy living in Egypt. How many men do you know who turned their back on God, made a lot of money, and in the process lost their family, lost their reputation, and lost their respect in the process and they are in every walk of life they're in the ministry they're in politics they're in every walk of life some of you may be doing pretty well living in sin your bank account is full but tell me about the condition of your soul you know one of the things I always tell uh, we had this saying that I that I say to my wife once in a while I used to say it pretty often because we passed this one house in Hamilton, Alabama, this nice big house that sat up on a hill, and I happened to know the people that lived in the house, and I knew the house was pretty, but I knew what went on inside the walls of that house, and it was absolute misery. Those people were so unhappy in that big house. And I would say to my wife, fairy tale places don't make fairy tale faces. All you have to do is watch a little entertainment tonight or read the news and see the misery of people who are in Hollywood who seem to have everything that anybody could want but peace and happiness. They just don't have it. They can't find it because they've chosen their way instead of God's way. All of us will be at some point in our life where we make the same mistake and God will create misery in our lives until we realize that we need to return to God. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. The Negev, by the way, is the southernmost part 
of the promised land, and he and his wife and all that belonged to him and lot with him. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Geb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he made there formerly, and there Abraham or Abram called on the name of the Lord. He recognized his mistake and he returned to God. So first, Abraham decided to worship God. Then Abraham chose without asking God. And number three, Abraham made the decision to return to God. When he realized he's out of the will of God, this is not where God called him. God didn't call him to Egypt. And if you read the story of God's people, God always encourages his people not to go to Egypt. Egypt is that place that's outside the will of God for his people. And he doesn't want them to return to Egypt or to go to Egypt. He wants his people to live in dependence upon him. And so Abraham recognized his mistake and turned back to God. I wonder if there's not somebody here tonight that you could say, well, because of my disobedience, it's brought hurt and heartache into the life of my family. And tonight I just need to, it, you just need to acknowledge that before your wife or, or your husband or your children and your church. Tonight God is calling you back to where he wants to be, you to be and to the relationship he wants you to have with him. So all of us have made bad decisions. All of us have come to forks in the roads when we've gone uh, our way instead of God's way. But God gives us opportunity to return to him just as he did to Abraham. Remember, these people that we look at in the Bible are people. Everybody's just like you. They're just like me. They're no different. They're flawed individuals. I'm a flawed individual. You're a flawed individual. There, there are going to be moments when we make mistakes, step outside the will of God, and we live in misery in those moments. But thank God for the misery because sometimes the misery is God saying to us, now it's time for you to return to me. And God gives us that open door to make that decision, that open door of opportunity to return to him. Well, we need to look at chapter 13, verses 8 through 12. And these will be the last verses we look at tonight, which leads us to Abraham's next decision. Now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while they were dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were living in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If to the left, then I will go to the right, or if to the right, then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go to Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from one another. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Significant moment here in Abraham's life when he says, okay, God, I don't know just exactly where I ought to live, but I'm going to take my hands off this decision. 
you know he sort of leaves it in the hands of Lot. Lot's going to choose, and I'll go. And Lot chose what did Lot choose? He chose a different place that left Abram with nothing but what? What had originally been the will of God for his life, and that was Canaan. And so Abram, at this point, is trusting God with his future. By the way, time and time again from this point forward, you'll find that Abraham is the same man. There will be moments when he makes good decisions and there will be moments when he makes bad decisions, but when he makes a bad decision, God gives him an opportunity to return to him, to let him have his future. And so Abraham, right down to the end of his life, has this, this process of decision-making in his life. Well, what we're talking about, however, is not Abraham and his decisions, but your decisions and my decisions. Are your decisions being led by the will of God? Are you doing what God has asked you to do? Have you surrendered your future in the hands of God? Are you trusting him? Here's a poem that we all know. I'll conclude with it. I think it makes the point. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and perhaps, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference.